Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. You can be seated. All right. I am really excited to be speaking with you today. We're going to continue on with our series, uh, Love Illusion. I don't know if we have that graphic. I've asked a friend of mine, Joe, to come up and play for a minute. Because I want to set, I want to set the tone for what I feel like the Lord is going to uh, do in your life this morning. What Jesus wants to speak and say to you. Um, can you just put your hands out in front of you, just all over the room? Today's a special day. I don't know if you feel it, but it feels kind of like special in the air, like a holiday almost. Do you know what that is? It's the presence of Jesus. You can trace every joyful memory and you'll find him in the middle of it. So Father, in the name of the son who we adore and we love, I pray that you would let your word sink deep into each heart today, that you take us back home For those of us whose love has grown cold, take us back to our first love. We love you, Jesus. So there's a few things going on right now today. There was, um, when I was preparing my sermon a couple days ago, I felt like the Lord paused me last night (laughs) and um, tapped me on the shoulder almost a moment with the Lord and I asked him what would you what would you like to talk what do you want me to talk about today what do you want to say to your people how do you want to impart the meaning of a levolution to each person tomorrow and I just felt like the Holy Spirit said to me it was so it was so clear he said that we're to come back to the simplicity of the gospel this morning and back to the message of Jesus. Rewind the clock before Christian music became a genre. I don't know if you see, they put the, they put the writers up there on the corner of the screen during worship and, and Breathe came up and it's a single author song. You can Google that name and you won't find a lot of other songs attached to that. Why? Because it wasn't a worship artist trying to craft something that would be taken all over the, the world. It was a moment that happened in the presence of God that birthed a heart cry. It's not complicated. It's not overly poetic. It's really simple. It just says, I'm desperate for you and I'm lost without you. And when you experience that revelation, there's a weight behind when you sing and there's a weight behind the things that you pen when it's your truth that you've lived and who you know him to be. So we're going back before pastors became influencers and Instagram famous. Before our, not here, but the majority of places, (laughs) you know, a generalization here. 
you ask most people how they, how they learn their theology, where is it at? It's in the songs, right? The worship songs that we sing in the church. And right now, you'll find a lot of songs that have a lot of eyes in them, right? I feel, this makes me feel, and there is a place for that. I'm not saying that worship, I've written songs like that. But the truth is, worship is always something that was designed for him. For Jesus. If you, you know, you could have the most incredible worship team and incredible worship leaders, but if we're all just singing about ourselves. But when you turn your heart and you sing about Jesus, something happens. Something happens in your body because you understand that Jesus is the word of God, right? So when, when God spoke the earth into existence, when it was formless and void, and he, that first word he spoke, let there be, that's the word of God. So that is Jesus, right? So when Jesus speaks to you, there's something in your genetic makeup, your DNA that begins to adjust on a cellular level because you recognize that is my maker. That is the person who fashioned and formed me. And there's something on the inside of you that clicks because that voice that formed you and holds you all together is where we return to one day. And that's why his presence is home. That's why when you experience Jesus manifesting in the room in powerful ways and you feel this is where I was always made to be. This is what I was made for this moment. It's because you're made for him. And when you worship him, when you acknowledge him as who he is, it's almost like all those other priorities that got in the way get squashed down and he takes the center. And all of a sudden it's just you and Jesus and everything about your life that you brought in these doors. You, maybe some of you came in today and you're, you're feeling that your life's super complicated and you need an answer, you need a word from God. There's circumstances that are pressing on you that require immediate attention and there's a stress and a hurriedness about you. But the truth is when you step into the presence of God, you step out of the temporal and into the eternal and all of a sudden, all of those problems that you walked in with, it's not like they disappeared. It's not like they got smaller. It's just that he got bigger in your life. What's a revolution look like? It's coming back to the good news. I was laughing when I was writing my notes on this. Uh, hold on, I'm trying to fix this. You're gonna laugh a little bit. Maybe not. I wanna talk to you about what the good news is. I wanna remind you um, about the gospel. We preach it every week, so I'm not saying like we don't do it, but like today, like I wanna remind you from this moment where you're at right now, the good news is that all of humanity was heading to an eternity of separation from God. And what we were never gonna be able to bridge the chasm of sin, the separation between God and us, the space that, that sin created between God and humanity until Jesus, the son of God, left his heavenly throne 
and was born in flesh as a human. He lived a perfect and sinless life. The Bible says that he was fully God and fully man. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me about this through my son. Anybody have kids that God speaks to you through? Little out of mouths of babes. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay, so my son came up to me just yesterday. But um, I want to talk to you about fully God, fully man, in a way that maybe we can understand and appreciate that in a different way. So my son comes up to me, and um, I'm, I'm literally trying to prep this sermon. I'm trying to finish it up, you know, like get it together. And he comes up and he goes, Dad, look at my pose. He's like, this makes my muscles look huge. He goes, my muscles are huger than yours, Dad. I'm bigger than you. Do, I roll up my sleeve and try to prove him wrong or lift him up by his ankle. Well, I mean, I might not prove him wrong, but, or put him over my shoulder and try to show him how big and great I was. No. I limited myself in that moment. I told him, you're so much huger than me, man. You're like Arnold Schwarzenegger ripped out. Man, I want to be like you when I grow up. (laughs) Why? Because I limited myself in that moment. And so Jesus coming to the earth, fully God, fully man. I think sometimes we, we think that what he accomplished on the earth was because of his identity as the son of God. But the truth is that when he entered the matrix, when he entered the world, he gave up those rights and he limited himself to what a life would look like, fully surrendered to the Lord when the heart's made right between him and the Father, what would happen? And he did that not to show how awesome and perfect he was, but he did it to be the blueprint and the example of what your life could look like once he made it right. He's fully God, fully man. His ministry was three years. Three years on the planet walking around. And to this day, we're all just still trying to figure him out. (laughs) We're trying to study what he said and did during those three years. And and people, disciples and other people, historians said that there aren't enough books in the world that would fill all the things that Jesus said and did. He was crucified as a sacrifice for our sins. And by his death and resurrection, you're forgiven and made right with the Father. So now if we surrender our lives and accept his gift, we can come boldly before the Father. Let me remind you about something else here because this is really important. We call it the dichotomy of God. You know, it's really easy if you walk up to somebody and say, talk about the fear of the Lord, they'll be like, no, I don't fear the Lord. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. I'm so excited to be standing in the presence of Jesus and I'm just gonna run unto heaven and hop into his lap when I see him one day. That may be, some of you may, that may be. But the truth is he is God. He is, he is not just the lover of your soul and the one who fashioned you. He is the same God who is returning on the clouds with a sword in between his mouth. He is the same God who will judge and rule the nations. And he is holy and righteous and separated and, nothing, and completely set apart from everything else. 
it reminded me of um, Moses in Exodus 33. Um, the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you to Moses and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there's a place near me where you can stand on a rock. And when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I'm gonna remove my hand and I'll let you see my back. You understand? He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So this is the God that you can come boldly before. The same one who said, I'm putting you in the cleft because you can't see my face and live. That's who you can walk boldly in front of. This is the good news. This is the gospel that you sitting in the room this morning or watching online, you have access to the Father. You can come to him anytime that you want. Jesus himself, it says in the word, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you right now. I want you to think about a poor decision that you made this week. Maybe self-destructive. Well, Jesus has been interceding for you. And if we could grab a hold of this revelation that the power of the gospel is an active and combustible force inside of you, I think you're just one spark away from being the revolutionary or revolutionary follower of Jesus. And this is the fuel, fuel of the revolution. Not that you get revved up and fiery about some brand new mic dropping quote that you can put on Instagram with a caption. Let me tell you, if that is what you need, it's not what you need. Because if we could lay hold of the living, moving word of God, if you can hear what he's saying, you'll become activated. Do you hear me? You'll become activated. I had a picture um, in my mind this morning that there are sleeper agents in the kingdom that you have something inside of you that is just waiting for that code word from heaven that maybe today would be the day that when he speaks to you, you'll be activated and something will come alive on the inside of you. And those things that you put for tomorrow and for two years or 10 years down the future could be activated in your life this morning. This is the revolution. It's a beckoning from the Spirit of God to return to the purity of loving Jesus. It is not, we're not trying to feed you a fancy new formula or way to live. This is a return. It's coming back home. And I love, Joel, what you said. This is in my notes. It is a worn, weathered, and narrow road. And he is the path. Jesus is the path. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Hmm. You know, I love missions. 
I love purposes. I, I frequently love to just throw myself into a lot of crazy things to try to achieve them for the kingdom of God. And that's my favorite. One of my favorite parts about following Jesus is the purpose and the engagement that we get, that we're not like living like random, unfocused, fearful, no future-minded people, but we have focus because Jesus has given us our identity and a purpose. But that is not why I signed up. I did not sign up just so that I could have some kind of self-validation or some kind of meaning in my life. And I don't think that's what you did. You didn't come into the kingdom of God because of a great pitch. You came into the kingdom of God. You joined this evolution of learning how to love well because at some point, Jesus touched your heart. At some point, something happened between you and him. Something changed and was recalibrated inside of you. I don't know if it was when you were reading the word of God or in a worship experience, but something happened that between you and him that wrecked you, that you caught a glimpse, a smallest sliver, a, a peek through the keyhole of who he is because all the angels are around the throne for all of eternity trying to catch new pictures of who he is. And it's been going on and on saying, holy, there's no one like you. So Jesus came into your life and you caught a glimpse of that. You caught a glimpse of who he was and what he did and how he feels about you. And something was changed on the inside of you. And that is why you're in the kingdom. Not because there was some great program or some great class, or some great this or that. There is one great thing in this kingdom. And it's not achievement. It's not success. It's not even necessarily purpose for some kind of temporary thing on earth. There is one thing that is the prize, and it is knowing Jesus. The finish line isn't even worth it if he's not there. That's why. See, when Jacob wrestled with God, do you remember that story? Hurt his hip. He set up a monument to remember this, to remember this moment by. I wanted to ask you this morning, what monuments do you have in your history with the Lord? This could be a time where the Lord supernaturally intervened or revealed himself to you. And I'd like to share something with you guys. It's a testimony. I think it's gonna really encourage you, especially those in the room. Do I have any cancer survivors or people who have cancer this morning? Can I see it? You guys see it? Leave those hands up for a second. It's either a testimony or a future testimony that you're looking at. All right, you can put your hands on. I want to encourage you guys specifically, but everybody else too. So one of the pivotal monuments in my life is when I was a, when I was a baby, I was one years old, um, I got seriously ill. I stopped eating, um, couldn't keep liquid down. And my mom said that by the time they got me to the hospital, I wouldn't even, you know how a baby, when you put your your finger in their hand will wrap it around, around the finger. I couldn't even do that, just limp, just laying there. And she, my mom said that she was um, sitting in the room, she heard the doctors looking at the scan and they were mumbling and whispering and they said, this mass is huge. 
refuge. And my mom was all alone. And she said, tell me what it is. They said, it's most likely, um, it's most likely cancer. This is really bad. And so my mom said that she was alone and she went to the waiting room and nobody was around. And she, she kneeled before the Lord in this room, just in a public place. And she said, Lord, if you will spare my son, she said, I'll make a Hannah deal with you. I'll give him to you for the rest of his life. And he'll be in the church and the gospel and serve you for the rest of his days. And we had the elders of the church come by and pray and anoint me with oil. And so when I woke up in the morning with a mask on, N nothing, nothing passed, nothing disappeared, nothing came out of me at all. It was just gone. Come on. And I think, I think about my life and, 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 and how it's been positioned at the altar of the Lord from the time that I was one years old. And I gotta tell you, I felt that every moment of my life and that's a monument, something I came back to that the enemy tried to take me out, but the Lord knew something, there was something in my future that he had a purpose for. So that means that I have a destiny and that means I can move forward. And when the enemy comes to try to discourage me or to, or to um, get me to give up, because you realize that that is what the enemy tries to do in your life right? That once you are Jesus's, once you belong to him, he can't touch you. He's lost the power to destroy you. So he will try to discourage you and get you to back out and tap out. This amazing testimony happened in my life. We always thought that it was the deacons who came with the oil, but in the past couple of years, I've just wondered if it was that deal my mom made. So four weeks ago, I'm trying to be a responsible adult and human being <laughs> most of the time. So I went to the doctor and I got um, a lot of just preventative care and like blood work and things like that done. And my doctor, my cardiologist calls me because we have a lot of heart history in my family. So that's why he called. He said, he said, Jay, he said, there's something super scary in your blood. He said, there's a level in your blood that's supposed to be at 100. It's at 9,000. He said, this could typically mean kidney or liver failure. It could mean cancer. It could mean a neuromuscular disease, which I thought was the better one. It's not. <laughs> and um, I'll be honest, I only had one moment where I was, where I was scared for a minute. I have good people in my life, amazing people who prayed for me. And I, but I, I wanted to remind you why are monuments important? Because I knew when this thing came up in my blood work, when this, when this potential pivot in my life came, I knew that I had a history. I had a monument with the Lord that I was healed when I was one years old. I had a mass disappear out of my body. So if he did it back then, he can do it right now in my life. And that's the power of a testimony. And that's why the enemy wants to steal your story and steal your history. Why? Why is, why is there such a press in our culture right now to get rid of our history? It's because in our history are our testimonies. And where our testimonies are is our power for faith for God to release things into the earth. It says in Revelation that they were empowered by the blood of the Lamb. And by what? The word of their testimony. Your testimony 
has the power to be a nuclear weapon for the kingdom of God. That's the revolution. Your testimony is the fuel for your faith. And this has always been the plan. Jesus said in Matthew 22, 27 through 37 through 40, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. You know, sometimes I, I read that and it's easy to read it if you've heard it a million times, just kind of not let those words metabolize on the inside of you, isn't it? But I gotta tell you, if we get past this, that we have missed the whole point. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus' public ministry began, so many of the oppressed Jewish people around him thought he would be uh, coming to defeat Rome and rule and reign over the earth, right? Conquering king. They had an expectation of what victory, what justice would look like. And they thought that Jesus had come to be a revolutionary, to lead the kingdom into freedom. They didn't know he was a love-volutionary. <laughs> so when Jesus came to Jerusalem, if you have an opportunity, hop on to YouTube and watch the Chosen's episode of this because it's amazing. But James and John, the, the sons of thunder, they get offended because um, Jesus wasn't honored by the Samaritans in the city he came in. That's because they were hostile towards Jews who wanted to worship in Jerusalem. Um, and when they saw the hostility, they said, no, try to put this in your, own, in your own place. Someone says something nasty about Jesus on Instagram or Facebook. And you say, Lord, they said, do you want us to command fire down from heaven to incinerate them? <laughs> Has anyone ever asked that from God? <laughs> Someone hurt you. It probably wasn't even Jesus related. Someone just hurt you and is like, God, send your fire. <laughs> my wife just texted me, by the way. Yes, I, I'm, I've already moved on, but I, my wife just texted me to remind you. Um, <laughs> six days later, um, um, my blood work came back clear. <laughs> <laughs> five days, five days just completely went back to normal. Now, I don't know what the reason is. I, I believe it's that the Lord just touched me at a cellular level and healed me again. And I'm so grateful for that. But that's the power of a testimony, right? Is that we look at our past and we see where the fingerprints of God are and we say, Lord, if you did it back then, do it again in me. Yeah. Come on, give God praise for this morning. Come on. Woo! Let me tell you something. We're not trying to get you into your healing. We're not chasing after a healing for you. What we're trying to do is we know that if we can get you to Jesus, we know that if you can encounter his love, that he is the healing. Healing is just the side effect. It's what he carries with him, right? It's, it's a byproduct of being close to Jesus. So we don't even need to chase after the healing. We need to chase after the Lord. And then we ask him in the presence of love and he heals us. That's why so many times you hear people get radically healed in the middle of worship. They're not asking for it. Nobody's praying for them. The Spirit of God descends and they're miraculously restored because they encountered Him. I'm running out of time. Oh, sorry guys. Jesus said to James and John, 
you don't know the manner of the spirit that you are of. This has always been heaven's strategy for real change. Not revolution, not toppling governments, but a love-olution. I mean, that'll come later, read Revelation, but right now. You know, but something's happened to us culturally. I'm gonna try to squeeze this in because I think this is important for us to talk about, okay? Something's happened to us culturally where there's been a marriage between politics and some members of the kingdom. And so many people right now, we're so sure that we know how the culture in 2021 should be shaped. And there's issues, important, valid issues, but they're taking up prime real estate in the mission focus for people's lives. So I wanna remind you what the word of God did not say. And if this offends you, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, The word of God did not say that they'll know we're Christians by our vote. It did not say that they'll know we're Christians by our vaccination stance. Yeah, I touched that, sorry. Not really though. The word of God did not say they'll know we're Christians by our social media following, which denomination or how rich or wealthy or successful we are. Jesus said, a new command I give to you, that you would love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And this is the beauty of the evolution that you're called to be transcendent in the same way that Jesus came into the world and wasn't bothered by the temporary constructs. You are called, I wrote this down and it came out really pretty. I'm gonna read it to you. You are called to see beyond all the pieces that surround you and how you interpret and make sense of the world based on your experience to see the world from heaven's perspective. Now for a second, can we have, um, I'm gonna just push through this. I have to give it to you. I can't stop. Um, Can you imagine, close your eyes all over the room. I wanna imagine that you are an angel in heaven. What does that look like? Some of you are picturing togas and big wings. Some of you are picturing the angel that was on top of your Christmas tree. Some of you are picturing some kind of movie. But picture yourself as an angel. Now, hello angel, let's have a conversation, you and me. So you heard the voice of God speak the earth and galaxies into motion. You saw the lamb sacrificed before the foundation of the world. You know God. You look out your apartment window in heaven and you see his infinite power and you know that he can do whatever he wants. And yet you see this all-powerful creator willing to lay down his supreme power and insert himself into the matrix of humanity. You've watched how he carefully crafted all history and how he left clues and promises for thousands of years leading up to his grand entrance. You read in heaven's newspapers how he was born in a manger surrounded by cattle in the middle of nowhere. And thousands of years breeze by and there's one thing that you know for sure as an angel of God, that he is all powerful and full of glory, that he has an ultimate plan that is sure as anything. He's gonna offer redemption, reconnection, and true relationship with these small little creatures with big opinions and strong wills. There isn't a system or construct within the whole little earth. I picture the earth to be a little snow globe on God's desk. 
nothing that intimidates him or he isn't aware of or have designs for. You can open your eyes, I wanna keep you awake. So, so if, if, if the angels experience that reality and they've seen it unfold for thousands of years, they know who God is. They look at the earth and they see the perspective of how small it is in comparison to God. He spoke it into existence. They see he's all powerful. So they know that there, there's nothing happening in that little snow globe that has any power or weight with him. So why do we spend most of our time living in a spirit of fear about the temporary circumstances in our life that we won't even remember in two years? You are a citizen of heaven. You belong to Jesus and your perspective can be the same. Second Corinthians 4, coming in for a landing. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. Ugh. Yet inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So you don't agree with somebody's politics in this church? Great. You don't like to talk about vaccines, COVID and all that stuff makes you a little cray cray? Amazing. Someone's personality drives you crazy. You like somebody in this room? Even better. <laughs> You're in the perfect position to join the love evolution and begin to love people the way that God demonstrated. I'm gonna, clo I'm gonna close out. I know, I promise. I've been saying that literally over and over again. You're created to live within what I like to imagine is a divine tension, that you're just like a stringed instrument requires tension to make a beautiful sound. This bride of Christ meets her full expression, the divine and creative tension within the body of believers. So that means if you find something that grates you, hallelujah, you have the opportunity to make a beautiful sound for Jesus. So here's some practical things that you can join the evolution um, to transcend some cultural traps. Let's live in righteousness, huh? Let's study the word of God and return to spiritual disciplines and know what righteousness looks like through the lens of his word, not through the latest book that you've read, but his word. And you know what? So many people these days are calling righteousness legalism and it's robbing the church. It's robbing the body of Christ of being the pure and spotless bride he died for. And Let's not call isolation boundaries. Man, if I hear one more person talk, tell me about healthy boundaries they've been setting up. Not that I'm trying to break people's boundaries. <laughs> but you got people who are like, uh, people who, you know, they may leave the church or relationships because they don't want to have opposing views around them. But the word says that a man who isolates himself seeks his own desire and rages against wise judgment. So right now, if someone does something that offends us or makes us uncomfortable or angry, we cancel them and we call it boundaries. We punish them with disconnection, calling it boundaries. Now, I'm not saying be a, be a throw rug that people walk all over. But what I am saying is you wanna tap into the fuel of this evolution, then that means imitating Christ. That's what Christian means, follower of Christ. And how did Jesus love people? It was love at any cost. When it came to you, there wasn't a single price he wouldn't have paid. Do we love people the same way? We can. We can do that. So let me pray for you. I have, and then I'm gonna pass it off to Joel. 
I'm on like a week two. I have like seven more pages. I'm really sad. <laughs> but I want to sing a brief song over you before I close out and pull up the lyrics because I don't know it well. But I want to just let you know, if we want to learn how to love well, you got to fix your eyes on Jesus. That's the message. I'm not going to cite neuroscientists or a bunch of like complex things that I love to dissect because I'm super cerebral. But this is what I believe God is doing what he's saying right now. We are coming back to the feet of the Father to worship Jesus as King. Yeah. So this morning, I want to, if you wouldn't mind standing, I'm gonna pray. It just feels, you know, like gotta get some things moving. I wanna open up the altar for two specific things. And I hope that, I hope that the Lord is, Jesus is speaking to you and moving in your life right now enough that you'd be willing to step into it if you feel that pressure, if you feel that nudge and that invitation from him. I wanna invite anyone who is apart from Jesus. You've never met him, you don't know him, and you want to. And number two, if you wanna repent for letting all the other things in life get in the way and return to the prize, return to the pearl in the field, which is Jesus. I wanna invite you to come up to the altar and just kneel, kneel before the Lord. And we're gonna have our ministry teams come forward and minister to you. But if that's you, would you just get out of your chairs right now? I'm gonna sing a song out of, I'm gonna sing a very old song over you. And I would love it if you would just respond and come forward before the Lord, because this is where it gets really good. This is where it gets saucy when it's not about somebody speaking and it's not about somebody saying something super clever, but when the spirit of God touches your life. So just come on forward and I wanna sing this old song over you. It's called Knowing You. All I once held dear Built my life upon All this world reveres And wars to own All I once thought gain I have counted loss, spent and worth this now compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is. You're my all, you're the best, you're my joy, my righteousness, and I love you, Lord. Now my heart's desire is to know you more, to be found in you and known as yours to possess by faith 
what I could not earn all surpassing gift of righteousness come on sing it out knowing you Jesus knowing you there is no your hands and sing out your love before the Lord. Come on, lift up a sound before him this morning. Lift up and sing before him. Nobody else moves his heart quite like you can. Your voice literally causes angels to be released and set free to minister in the earth. I believe that God wants to heal bodies this morning, heal marriages and relationships, bring restoration. He wants to do it all this morning. He wants his spirit and Jesus to meet his full expression in this room. So come on, lift up your passion before the Lord. He is the prize. He is the pearl. This is the main event. This is what you've been waiting for. It's Jesus, Jesus, it's Jesus. Joel's gonna come forward and minister to you. But if you left with one thing this morning, my hope would be Jesus loves you and he is the prize. Thanks. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.